from the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody. We're here for Masonic Light Podcast, episode 75. Wow. Correct? 75. 75. We're almost to Larry's age. No, it's 75. 75. 75. Whoa. Soon, Larry. We'll soon be as old as you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Episodic, yeah. Episodic, right? Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Great. We have a great guest today. We have uh, Brother John Cook, who will be the... Well, we'll go into that a little bit, but he is the brand new secretary of the Valley of Harrisburg. Um, so, welcome, John. Scottish Thank you. right. Well, that's usually what valleys are, Larry. Well, I just thought I'd clarify that for all the non-valley people. So, uh, John, what we do here, um, we somehow we do our best, and then Josh makes a listenable show. So, but we'll go around quickly, and we'll discuss what we've been up to the past week or so, or two weeks, in Masonically. So we'll start with uh, Brother Tim Dedman. Tim, what, you, what have you been up to since our last show? Well, um, actually been preparing, uh, attending rehearsals for a couple of the uh, Valley of Harrisburg, as uh, Larry calls them, plays. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, reunion coming up in the Valley of Harrisburg later, but uh, attending those. And then uh, last or Sunday before last, I guess it was, uh, went to Grotto, had a great meeting at Grotto. Uh, a really nice meal, and the program there was whiskeys of the world, uh, but were actually whiskeys of Pennsylvania. Um, and it was it was really a, an interesting program, and uh, uh, it was well attended. And uh, Jack has continued his uh, reign as monarch, having some really great programs. And so, uh, uh, other than that, just doing some trainings uh, within the Masonic world. And other than that, that's about it. Larry. Well, as you know, I've been on hiatus for the past three weeks, but I am slowly getting back into things with tonight's show, of course, and uh, play rehearsal at the Valley of Reading tomorrow night. <laughs> degree, degree rehearsal, guys. <laughs> and um, uh, you all know I, I moved. We, we heard, uh, my, um, there was a picture we posted on the internet of all these masons that were helping you move. Yes, 13 of them. Yeah, and my wife goes, does Larry have enough help? I'm like, oh, it looks like it. But how many of them are able-bodied? Well, uh, of the 13, thir- thir- we were all able-bodied, and Josh probably was, but he could be about it. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only one that could lift and, more than and, 20 pounds? And, uh, George Grove was there. George Grove was there, and he jumps out of airplanes and rides motorcycles, so he's probably able-bodied. Okay. But the rest of them, they're on drugs. <laughs> Heart meds, diabetes—you know, you name it—they're on it. So, uh, what did I have going on? Well, I, I, back to the the grotto meeting. That was a fun meeting. Um, as a ramp 
certified bartender in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, I have no idea how we were able to do that legally. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> most bars frown on you bringing alcohol in that you did not purchase from that bar. <laughs> and especially with a Pennsylvania-only liquor license. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what happened, but we'll see if we're allowed back. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, George did a good job. Um, uh, let's see what else did. Uh, I don't know. That's that's about it for me masonically. I've been trying to lay low. Josh, you had an exciting couple weeks. Well, yeah, I had a uh, the district deputy visit last night at uh, Lamberton Lodge. And- <laughs> And, and the district deputy is a past master of Lamberton Lodge, so it makes it even less exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but you went to the east I, for a few I minutes. did go to the east for a few minutes. Yeah. Does the a current worshipful master understand that you were never to leave your post? I think so. He does now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was told that, back to bartending again, I was told that, like, what do I, like, a big fight broke out in the bar one night, and we're like, what am I supposed to do? And the uh, the owner says, y- you watch the cash register. <laughs> You're not allowed to leave your post. <laughs> what if what if the waitress is getting punched? <laughs> call, the, call the bouncer. <laughs> uh, John, what have you been up to in the past couple weeks uh, masonically? Well, I was at the uh, Patton campus for the Council of Liberation Leadership Seminar last weekend, or two weeks ago, I take it back. Uh, good bunch of guys. That was statewide. Everybody comes in. Uh, it's uh, probably a very typical Masonic membership kind of meeting where we talk about the dwindling numbers in Pennsylvania and across the world (laughs) and uh, what we can do about that and get the best out of what we have. But it is a good group of guys, very interesting. Uh, Got some enlightening statistics across the country or the northern Masonic jurisdiction about Pennsylvania. We, uh, We actually have more Scottish Rite Masons in Pennsylvania than in the next five jurisdictions. So most states are very, very small. We're actually lucky to be as big as we are but it was pretty cool other than that just the usual uh, you know at the valley every day and of course i'm also the district deputy grandmaster of district three i have not been uh on an official visit in a couple of days but i do have one tomorrow with the grandmaster and the sovereign grand commander dave glatley they'll both be there at big spring lodge 361 in newville Oh, jeez. So when was the last time you, you ate a meal at home? <laughs> I, I have to think about that. As a matter of fact, I told my wife last night I won't be home for the next four. So it's it's about twice a week, typically. You you have a wife like we do that they, they, they really like when we leave. <laughs> if I'm home more than two days, she asks me, don't I have someplace to be? Yes, That's exactly. usually how that or works. Or what so. time are you leaving? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I th- the, tr- the true secret of the Masons is if you bring your wife to enough boring Masonic events, then like they don't want to go with you anymore. And then you can actually sneak in a fun Masonic event every <laughs> once in a while. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Go out with your boys to wherever. Yeah, and then it's really fun. Yeah. But. There's two other things, actually, that I failed to mention, but John and I were at together. Um, the same night as Grotto, we had the Cigar Lodge uh, up in Hamburg. Uh, but then this past Saturday, uh, it wasn't truly a Masonic event, although there were enough Masons present that I think we could call it a Masonic event. And that was the Cigar Fest up at Lake Harmony, uh, which if you ever have an opportunity to get a ticket to go to that, it's not easy to come by. But uh, 
3,000 people uh, Friday and 3,000 people on Saturday um, go through this place, and we walked away with probably close to 100 cigars oh, yeah. per yeah. person, plus a humidor and a backpack. Um, they were free? Uh, no. It's well, the, the cigars ticket. were free, but you had to pay for the ticket. Which Oh, well, yeah. Um, well, what did the, tic- the ticket cost? The ticket was, what, about $190? $190 for the ticket. Uh, that's the full. Well, you, you can actually get three levels. They have yeah. one that goes all the way up to $275. You have to buy the shirt, the hat, and all the gear to go with it, and you get more stuff. But if you buy the basic ticket, you walk through. They give you a big, like a tactical bag that has a, a humidor with 30 cigars in it, an ashtray, usually a lighter, a handful of gadgets and trinkets, and then they give you a lanyard with 50 uh tear-offs on it you walk from booth to booth to booth and you hand them a tear-off and they give you a cigar oh so i mean it's definitely get your money's worth if you're the average i figured that the average cost per cigar was less than two dollars per cigar um with the cost that's probably my my guess is that you for your 190 bucks you come out with about 600 bucks worth of cigars. i was gonna say at least you do a good deal with that you do and only once it is a good deal i'd probably smoke three and the rest would dry up and (laughs) <laughs> that's why you have friends. That's why you have friends. Yeah. You're constantly giving them away for the next year. So. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to speak to John Cook, district deputy, and but more importantly about his new position as the secretary of the Valley of Reading. No. No. Oh. It's Whoa, Fox sorry. Box. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Everybody wants to be the Valley of Harrisburg. I understand. <laughs> the Valley of Harrisburg, our nation's capital. <laughs> Actually, the state's capital. <laughs> Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. And we're back. Uh, our guest tonight is Brother John D. Cook, who is currently uh, District Deputy Grandmaster for the 3rd Masonic District uh, and is most recently the new Secretary for the Valley of Harrisburg. Uh, John, I'll let you uh, kind of talk a little bit about your background, but we're just really glad to have you here this evening. Well, th- thank you, Tim. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, well, as you said, I'm the district deputy of District 3. I've been doing that. This is my eighth year. I will retire at the end of this year. Uh, just recently, at the beginning of April, became the secretary of the Valley of Harrisburg. And that also encompasses the secretary of the Council of Deliberation for Pennsylvania. So you do both jobs. Uh, 
it's it's the largest valley in the northern Masonic jurisdiction for Pennsylvania, second largest in the whole Masonic jurisdiction, other than Indianapolis. So it's it's, it's a pretty uh, you know pretty big job. Uh, lots of varied pieces to it. You're the secretary slash business manager slash HR. It's you know you're a bit of everything. You're jack of all trades. Uh, but it's 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 a pretty exciting job. I'm really happy to be there and excited to to get there. Didn't know I was going to end up there. Kind of was an accident, I think. <laughs> it's Tim's fault, actually. I had recommended Tim for the job when somebody called me and said we're looking for recommendations, and I gave two names, and neither one of them was mine. Uh, <laughs> and, and both of those guys turned it down. Uh, and then I was asked if I would consider it, and, and after a little thought. I thought, I, I, you know, after eight years as a deputy, I think I've kind of used up my bag of tricks. I've done everything I think I can do, and, and uh, uh, it, it, is, it is a lot of work, quite honestly. So uh, I'm ready for the next chapter and excited to be at Harrisburg. So talk to us a little bit about the Valley itself. It's a pretty expansive area that the Valley covers. How many members are in that area? And- well, it's 17 counties, uh, about 5,700 members total. Uh, so it's it's pretty varied, pretty large. Uh, there are, I believe, nine Scottish Rite clubs uh, from all different sizes, from all those different areas. And actually, the oldest Masonic uh, club, the the Scottish Rite club in the country, is in Shippensburg, still to this day. Uh, I'm a past president of that particular club because I live in Shippensburg, so I ended up there. Uh, so so yeah, it's, it's it's very varied. Big big differences. We cover. Everything from, you know, the the suburbanites and the country folk up to the city people in Harrisburg uh, really cover a wide expanse. And so um, talk a little bit about some of the activities of the Valley. I know there's the uh, Children's Dyslexia Center that operates out of the Valley. Talk a little bit about that. Right. Maybe some of the other activities. Sure. Well, the Dyslexia Center is in the basement of the building. It's a 501c3 entity. Uh, They have 30 children uh, that they bring in. They uh, help them learn to read, of course, since that's what dyslexia is. Uh, And that is entirely free. There's no cost at all for that. They have a waiting list of about 31 more. They run about a one-year program. They typically graduate about 90% of them. So it's it's a, a really good thing for the community. It really helps them. Uh, we, we do a lot of fundraising for that. They have a golf tournament in July coming up where they raise uh, usually $18,000, $20,000 a year for that. Uh, they're actually looking at corporate sponsorship now since that's become something they can do. So uh, maybe somebody at Cheats or m Bank or whoever uh, wants to sponsor something could come and do that kind of thing for us. It is a, a really a good group. The work they do is, is really, really important to these kids. And, and most schools today, as we know, don't have the resources, and, and they're not going to put the effort forth to do that. Uh, so, so we do that for them. Is, is that something that's new? Is that, uh, is that working in other areas that yes. we're talking about expanding it to other valleys? The, the, well, it is in several valleys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there is a Dyslexia Center in Lancaster. Uh, they have one in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Uh, most of the, the larger valleys do that. Uh, in all of the northern Masonic jurisdiction, every state has some somewhere. Uh, they, they vary, again, on whether or not 
they get the, uh, the, the the kids. Some of the parents are a little leery about going to You know how that happens sometimes. But it is a very good program. It really does help the children tremendously. And uh, I've got a brother who is dyslexic, and uh, they didn't have that kind of thing for him. He was well into high school before somebody even realized that was an issue for him. Yeah. Of course, back then, I don't think they even have a name for it back then. So The idea of like corporate sponsors and so mm-hmm. forth, is that being tried anywhere else yet? It, it actually is starting to happen across the whole northern Masonic jurisdiction, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, where everything – I'm sorry, wrong, wrong state. I'm looking at Tim here, which is Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> Lexington, Massachusetts, where the northern Masonic jurisdiction is housed. Uh, they have a complete corporate office up there and a bunch of people that are part of that. And they help with marketing and finding solutions and ideas to be able to raise funds because obviously it's it's – it's free. It's free to the kids, free to the families, regardless of ability to pay. It always is free. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a way to pay for it. And, and with a full staff, there are six full-time tutors currently. There are six in training. Um, there are four or five administrative staff. They don't get paid a lot of money, I can tell you. They really don't. A lot of this they do because they love to teach. They love yeah. kids. Yeah. So it, it, it is a good thing. It is growing. We're trying to make it bigger and bigger. And like everything else, we don't have a commodity we sell. So it's like you know masonry in general. We don't have a commodity we sell. So what do we do? We have to raise funds through fundraisers and gun raffles and you know uh, picnics and barbecues and all that stuff. In their case, we're we're trying to use corporate sponsorship if we can because they are five one c three. So they give the ability to offer a tax break to those people i'm glad you said that how would somebody in the central pennsylvania area get a hold of you to become a corporate sponsor how do they how how? they they can contact me at the harrisburg consistory uh you know call or email we are in the phone book i'll be happy to give you that information if you'd like me to uh you know my email address is john at sprshbg.org pretty simple it'll come to me and i can forward that down to the ladies in charge of that again it's a great organization that does a whole lot for the kids none of that money is kept in-house it's used for these kids to get them educated yeah that's it's awesome it's Mm -hmm. awesome work so john what was your um your your profession before you got into being a full-time mason i was a police officer so prison guard at one time and uh and then left that to become a police officer and then when i left that uh actually i'm from new york city originally uh, born and raised and then i was a cop in florida and uh, when i was able to, to retire from that and come north came to pennsylvania i have a brother who's uh, a brother who's a brother who's also a methodist minister and visited him a lot uh found pennsylvania liked pennsylvania and we've been here ever since so what part of florida was that uh bell glade florida which is palm beach county out in the glades sounds very uh humid it, very much so lake okeechobee alligators all that kind of good stuff <laughs> And uh, how did you get uh, hooked up with being a district deputy since your tour is almost done there? Uh, Well, you know, again, I I think that we had this conversation in the car coming over, myself and Tim. You know, most stuff that I I have been lucky to fall into, so to speak, is simply being in the right place at the right time. I think like most of us in the world, timing is everything. Uh, You know, I'm a member of George Washington 143 in Chambersburg. Uh, I went through the chairs there. I went from right from the east to the secretary's desk. I really was in charge of the lodge for a while then, and uh, for all those secretaries out there. Uh, and then the opportunity arose. Brother uh, Brother Herrett, our right worship grandmaster, was the deputy prior to me, and uh, 
he when he was being uh, given the opportunity to get into the grand line he uh, put something out to anybody in the district if you feel you are worthy and are interested in being considered to be a district deputy tell me so i told him i went through an interview process with about five or six other men and at the end of the day he called me and said i'm gonna have your name given to uh, jay smith who was about to be the grandmaster at the time I uh, went through an interview, and, and, you know, to my amazement, there I was. I, I was the lucky guy. Was that you eight know? years ago? Eight years ago. Jay and I can, Smith, eight years ago, my yeah, word. Yeah. And, and to this day, even, and honestly, when, when you log on to the, you know, our website, go into my page, it pops up and it says, Welcome, John D. Cook, this should be Grandmaster. And eight years later, I am still smiling every time I see that. It's just amazing that it, it's real, and here I am. And it's, it's been a great ride, quite honestly. I'd highly recommend it to anybody who gets the opportunity. Oh, it's a huge deal. And, and <laughs> in fact, I, I usually talk about it from the other side. Whenever I meet grandmasters from tiny states, mm-hmm. I always say, oh, it's cute. It's kind of like you're a district deputy in Pennsylvania. <laughs> they don't like that, do they? <laughs> They're never a big fan of that. <laughs> I mean, so how many lodges were in your district and how many masons in general? Uh, there were 10 lodges when I first came into it. There are eight now. We've merged two of them. Actually, three total because we brought one in from District 2 to Tim's Lodge, Eureka West Shore. Now, West Shore came over. Uh, it was around 4,000 masons when I took over in 2012, and we're about 3,600 currently. Uh, Good, good, solid lodge. I'm, I'm lucky, you know. And there's 46 deputies across the state of Pennsylvania currently, and uh, the, the, each district, like a lodge, is very unique, has its own characteristics and, and style. Uh, and, and I can tell you, we sit around occasionally and commiserate with each other and talk about our problems and headaches. And I usually walk away feeling I have very little problems when I talk to some of my uh, my, my partners out there who, who are doing this in other parts of the state. The area we're in, I'm right off 81. All my lodges run between the Maryland line and Harrisburg, right off, off 81 pretty much. Good, solid lodges, good guys. Attendance is, is really solid. Uh, great numbers, lots of things. I've tried to be innovative. We do low veils. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of the low veils that we do. We do them at Gettysburg occasionally. We reenact them right on the battlefield. We've done two of those. Uh, we, we do them each year. This year we're going to do one out at the scout camp in uh, uh, Fulton County outside of McConnellsburg. Cinequippi, I think, is the name of it. I haven't been there myself, but several of the men have. Uh, and we're going to do that and tie that into that new pin that the Grand Lodge come out with for Eagle Scouts. Mm-hmm. So if you're an Eagle Scout, you can get that pin while you're there, all that kind of stuff. Grandmaster will be there, of course. A couple hundred guys come out <coughs> outdoors. There's a cigar section. Got to have that at any good lodge, <laughs> you know. Uh, so One of the things, of uh, having uh, served with uh, under John uh, as worshipful master and then now as secretary, um, both he and uh, our grandmaster, uh, Gene Herrett, began various programs that have lived beyond each other. And I think it goes through uh, some of the things that we've talked about before on this podcast, which is connecting from making sure you're not starting over each time there's a a new leader, if you will, regardless of what level it is. And one of the things that uh, uh, Brother Herrett started was the uh, passport, uh, which encouraged brethren to travel to other lodges. And I've talked to other brothers in other districts, and I think we probably have more people from our area visiting other lodges than 
uh, seems to be the the norm. True. I, I promote that very heavily. I, I really feel that as a Mason, if you're not traveling, visiting the brethren in different jurisdictions, in and out of state, all around the world, quite honestly, you're missing a big part of this fraternity. You know, it's it's it's. I, I waited a fairly long time, and I was 40 years old when I became a Mason. I was w- with the police work and and the, my lifestyle at the time. I really didn't have time to do it. I almost joined the lodge in Florida. They met on a Friday night. Well, as a cop, I never knew what a Friday night was. I was always on the streets. Uh, and when I moved to Pennsylvania, I, I actually drove tour bus out of State College for a while, and I almost joined the lodge in the Aquarefield PA, who also met on a Friday night. And again, Again, in the tour bus business, Friday night, you're usually at a ball game with the kids or something like that. You didn't have time. And I, and I was one of those people, anything I've ever done, I either do it or I don't. It's never, you know, kind of half doing it. And so I, I walked away twice, turned it down, said, no, I'm not going to just be a ring wearer. If I can't be involved, I won't, won't do it. Uh, I ended up joining a lodge that meets on Friday nights. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that happened after I was in a position where it didn't affect my Friday nights anymore. So I, I still did that. But I tr- I've tried to make the most of it. And, and I've met a lot of really good men over the years. And, and I've met some fellows. There was an Air Force uh, general that I met. He was actually a speaker at the uh, Academy of Sonic Knowledge several years ago now. And uh, he was talking about his experiences and the fact that he grew up at the village, kind of like Eddie Stum, and uh, he didn't become a Mason until he was just about retiring from the Air Force. And he felt then, after after he became a Mason and realized that all the world travel he had done would have been so much more enhanced had he been a brother and could have shook hands and met on the square with people from all over the world. And and I kind of feel that way myself a little bit, that I probably denied myself some great opportunities until waiting till I was 40. But at the same time, I've tried to really enhance that now, and I visit wherever I can visit and go wherever I can go. And there's something about that, I think, that it, it just makes makes you a better person. I mean, that's what we strive to be anyway. You meet these people, and, and uh, uh, you, you really changes your outlook on things. Yeah. really does. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to switch gears a little bit and focus more about uh, Scottish Rite, your new job at the Valley, since you're going to try a third career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster. All to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6000. Nine four. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. 
Hello, Masonic Light Podcast listeners. This is Josh, and I'm here to announce to you the winner of our contest with author Michael Carpavage to give away all three novels in his Tanunda Mystery series. So without further ado, the winner is... Dennis Daly of Rockvale Lodge number 413 in Rockvale, Tennessee. Congratulations, Brother Dennis, and thank you for listening. And now, back to the show. Hey, and we're back with Brother John Cook, um, Secretary of the Valley of Harrisburg. So, so John, once you um, took this position, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about um, what you foresee your, your job entailing as, as the Secretary? Because, I, you know, as, as an outsider, you know, I see the, the command, or not the Commander-in-Chief, that's for the whole, uh, that's for the whole shebang. But, uh, you know, the the guy in charge of the valley comes and goes every two years. Three years, yeah. Oh, okay, so so you're kind of going to be the uh, the constant. So you should have some input, I would say, in the direction of the valley. There's some truth to that. The secretaries at the Valley of Harrisburg have run about a 10-year cycle, it seems, kind of go at 9, 10 years on, on average. Uh, so you are the constant. You're the guy that people relate to, just like in a lodge. Everybody kind of knows the secretary runs things or at least has the institutional knowledge. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, again, you're a promoter. You're, you're the guy who has to help market it. Uh, you know, one of the things I talk about everywhere in and out of lodges, and of course at Consistory, is the fact that we are a business, but we don't sell anything. We don't have a widget. We don't have any kind of thing we sell. So we have to sell ourselves. And so at the Consistory, we're lucky. Our, our building was built in 1954. Uh, it is a very, very big footprint right there in Harrisburg on North 3rd Street. We have a 1,200-seat auditorium. We have a huge ballroom. We have a lower uh, dining area. We also rent space for that. We have the Dyslexia Center. We have lots of different rooms we can use for corporate sponsorship. We have a guy named Lee Boltz who works for us full time. He is our uh, leasing or rental agent, and uh, he very well connected in the Harrisburg community and surrounding areas. He brings in different shows, a 50 show. Uh, I think they're working on a uh, some sort of Motown show coming in. Uh, we're doing a Mother's Day brunch, which is another fundraiser for us. So we have to make the building work for us. Uh, obviously, how do you pay for buildings, just like in lodges? Membership. Well, our membership, as we all know, is dwindling, and that's probably a whole other podcast to go over that that issue. But you can't rely on dues to pay for things, and you've got to upkeep buildings. You know, we are a lot of, a lot of lodges and, and valleys are the same. We're, uh, we're building poor. Very expensive to upkeep, very expensive to maintain. Uh, you know, I've only been there for, you know, three weeks, and we've we've had to bring in people to look at uh, parking spaces and the fact that we're not ADA compliant with handicap spaces, so we're making some changes. Well, you've got to pay for it, of course. So how do you do that? Well, you market the building. So that's a big part of what I'm involved in. We're, we're looking at a possibility of making the building, uh, getting it on the National Historic Registry. If you do that... Uh, that actually starts at the state. If the state says okay, then the, the federal government usually follows right along and does that. Once that happens, you can create a 501c3 entity, whereas we are C10 now, which most Masonic groups are. Uh, but by having the C3 availability, we can now sell leasing rights to the auditorium. 
you can, you know, right now that we market it as the uh, the Scottish Rite uh, Auditorium more than the cathedral even because of the connotation to some people that there's a religious connotation. They don't want to come to a cathedral. You call it a theater. It's the same building, same look, but here they come. So we, we do that kind of stuff. That's a big part of what I have to do. Um, obviously, I serve on all the various committees. You know, I'm a member of all of them, finance and investments and uh you know, membership, of course. So there is a whole, there's a lot of hats you wear. There's a lot of things you have to do. Uh, the, the game is, you know, when I talked to Sam Andrews, who was two secretaries ago, he's currently in there as a consultant helping me get used to some things. When he started the job 19 years ago, there were 13,000 Masons. Scottish Rite Masons. Uh, Dave Aukey, who just retired, took over somewhere at around 8,000 Masons. And now we're at about 5,700. So the numbers are going to go down. And that's something, you know, again, Freemasonry in general. Uh, you know, I give a talk all the time as a deputy and as the secretary to people where, you know, we go over the whole World War II anomaly and the fact that we grew so exponentially at the end of the war. Well, we're coming back to kind of what I think is our natural numbers. Lodges are coming back to where they should be. Valleys are coming back to where they should be. Shrines, all of us in general, we're falling back to that. But how do we keep it alive? Well, you know, we have to do our degree work or plays, as you like, Larry. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, one of the things one of the things we look at is we have to talk to new people, petitioners, when they're joining the Scottish Rite, and find out what interests them. You know, some guys are big into theatrics they want to be a part of the play they want to dress up they want to put costumes on some guys want to be the lighting director they want to sing in the choir they want to be part of the orchestra all that takes a big piece of it you know and that's something we're getting ready for our next reunion which is uh may 17th 18th and i've spent the last two weeks just sending out letters to all these various people asking them if they're going to indeed come back are they going to take the job they took last time are they going to volunteer their time there's a whole lot of work goes into doing that stuff. One of the problems we also have, which is not different to Freemasonry at all, is the average age is no longer 30 or 40. It's more like 75 and 80, and in some cases more. You know, I, I see a lot of that every day. So we got to get young people involved. We got to get people who can do things. And, and again, that's part of my job. I think I, I have to be a bit of, of everything, you know. Uh, whatever has to be done, you're the face of the of the valley most of the time. You got to do it. Yeah. Oh, everybody's staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with your new position, um, it is a full time. Yes, sir. It's full time Monday were through you, Friday. Uh, so, was there any hesitation to come out of retirement? No, I was working full-time anyway. I was a building okay. inspector, actually. I was working for a brother who was a company in Chambersburg. I was working a full-time job as a building inspector. Uh, this just became a, a, a way for me, quite honestly, to do what I love the best, which really is Freemasonry. I'm definitely the choir boy for it. Uh, so I get to do this at the Valley of Harrisburg. Uh, it's different being in one place all the time. I was kind of used to being out and about, going from building to building and house to house doing inspections. Uh, you deal with a lot of different people. I'm obviously there in one building. 
Uh, and, and I actually you know, thought about that in the beginning. Am I going to go crazy sitting in this room all day for eight hours a day? I've almost never done that in my life. I've worked out in the, in, in the road somewhere, in a police car, you know, whatever it was. I was out and about. But quite honestly, it is so busy. It really is. Even with 5,700 people to deal with, uh, I look up and it's lunchtime. I look up again and it's 4 o'clock and everybody's going home. So it's, it's really there's a lot going on. And we're, we have reunion time. It's busy, and Council deliberations coming up. We've got uh, Supreme Council sessions in in August in Milwaukee. That's part of my job. That, that's part of it. So uh, there's no lack of uh, something to do. That's for sure. So pulling off one of these reunions is no small task. Um, how many people do you estimate are involved? Not counting the people that just show up and watch the shows, but uh, actually are involved in either participating in a degree or as you mentioned the lighting the sound the wardrobe etc 350 400 people probably on average between your cast and all your peripheral people there are the guys that stamp passports the guys are the ambassadors who check in the marshals the stewards uh, all the different actors uh, all your different musicians and and there, there's a lot of people that make this go and it is kind of a shame as Pete mentioned before sometimes you're in there and there's only a handful of people getting degrees uh you know the days of 250 member classes seem to be beyond us now so 40 45 is probably what we're looking at quite honestly uh which in some valleys that's a huge class today for us it's not what we'd like it to be but takes 400 people to put on a show for 40 it really does so yeah in the typical masonic or maybe any any uh, volunteer organization, we have like ten percent, yeah, roughly that are doers. Um, so that that's the number I think that all these bodies kind of need not just to take a look at how many members you have, but if it takes three hundred and fifty members to put on that degree, you need to have at least thirty five hundred members that's in the valley, piece, right? So yeah, that's. I just think people need to keep that ten percent number in mind, because you know if a valley starts getting into that two thousand member range, it's going to be difficult. Oh, absolutely! And there are some valleys in this state that are under two hundred members. Oh yeah, there's some very small valleys in this state. There are less than two hundred members. Uh, there is a valley that recently did degree work, uh, put on a couple of degrees for one candidate, one. Wow. One guy, but you still got to give the one guy his best. You can't, oh, yeah. you know, you can't give him any anything shorter than that. But that's the that's the fact. And as as the membership dwindles, you know, it, it just is what it is. It's it's the old story. You know, every Scottish Rite Mason is a Freemason, isn't he? But not every Freemason is a Scottish Rite Mason, and that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, they and some of them just don't understand what it is. They they just don't see what they're going to get out of it. Don't understand the importance of it. And that's that's our job as Masons to kind of make that aware. So, do you anticipate that uh, similar as has happened with many blue lodges, uh, there have been mergers and coming together, and that kind of, do you anticipate that occurring within Scottish Rite within, for example, the state of Pennsylvania? I know our geography; it's a it's a big state. Um, so that obviously has to be a consideration. but That definitely see? plays a part in it. I think part of the issues are as, as, as some of these valleys were formed. Again, there's 16 valleys in Pennsylvania. As some of these valleys were originally formed, 
their initial purpose was they would become full four-body valleys. They would not just be single-body valleys. But there are mixes of singles and two and and not all four. Uh, the problem, again, is as our membership has dwindled, because think about it, in 1954 when we built that building in Harrisburg, there was 250,000 masons in Pennsylvania. Well, sure, we can support it. Allentown, who has a beautiful building, 250,000 masons in Pennsylvania. They expected they could support that. Uh, Newcastle has a gorgeous building, fantastic building. I was out there several years ago for a, a communication. But in Newcastle, the population has dwindled tremendously. They don't have the space anymore. Williamsport, beautiful building. Once again, they don't have the amount of members anymore to really support it. Will they merge? I honestly don't know. I mean, obviously, that comes well above my pay grade. You know, I got a commander in chief, and then above that, we have a sovereign grand commander. Uh, you know, if you're in Newville tomorrow, you can ask him. He'll be there, as I said. Uh, maybe he can tell you. I, I honestly don't know. At some point, finances come into play, just like in lodges. Sometimes lodges are forced to merge or close because they simply can't afford to operate. And I can see that same kind of thing happening in valleys. It could happen. Wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't like it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Huh. What? Go ahead, Larry. You know, one thing, and we're going to stray a little bit from Scottish Rite. You are, and I'm making this up as we go along, Grand Senior Warden of the Cigar Lodge in Hamburg. And I'm, I just gave you that title, by the way. Apparently. And the Grand the Grandmaster of the Cigar Lodge. The Grand Smoke. The Grand Smoke is at Stum. Yes. So an important part of Freemasonry to... Myself, yourself, Ed, some of the guys here, Tim, I know is an ardent cigar smoker, is cigars and the role that they play Bourbon. in our craft is very important. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, first I'll correct you. My title is Deputy Grand Smoke. Deputy Grand Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the, you. The Grand Smoke indeed invested myself, Bob De Palma, and Jack Probst uh, last uh, two weeks ago with our official name oh, badge. Oh, right. Oh, yes. We have our official name badge that says we are Deputy Grand Smokes. Uh, well, yeah, I've, obviously I do love cigars and, and, and you know, more than, than the actual cigar smoking or, you know, a sip of bourbon or whatever your drink may be it, it's the it's the fellowship it's the fact that a bunch of men can get together we don't dress up quite obviously there's no tuxedos involved uh you know wearing jeans and sneakers and just hanging out but we can sit somewhere inside or outside gather together we're like-minded we enjoy a good smoke uh it, it's it, it takes you back to the time when you could just sit around and have civil discussion there was no heated arguments people you could agree to disagree and that's what we have we we do that uh you know that started out with about three or four people in hamburg and now we average about 35 people and we've had as many as 60 people there uh and sometimes we're down only a dozen people depending on that particular weekend but it's it's the fact that guys know, and we get people who come into Hamburg that are traveling, and as soon as they show up and they're if they're Masons, they're told, "Hey, you guys are meeting upstairs." Even though they have no idea who we are and what we're doing, and they'll come knocking on the door, "Hey, I heard this is a Masons group." Yeah, come on in, brother. You know, shake their hand and give them a cigar and sit them down. It, it really is. It's it's again. It's part of that whole getting to know your brothers, being involved in something other than 
the ritual of Blue Lodge. I mean, that's all good stuff. I love that. You know, I was a ritualist, did a whole bunch of degrees, but there was something about being able to sit across the table or sit outside on a patio and just have a cigar with a fellow and, and you know, know that you're of like mind, you're, you're similar people. Uh, you know, it's just sing, sit around with friends. Yeah, I, I look at the things that have in this area that have grown organically. Um, as Freemasonry has changed. And I think that's something that I don't know how, when, or why we got away from it, but this, at its core, it's a fraternity, and we're friends. Um, Larry Larry started this Thursday morning breakfast thing. And, you know, for how many years now, almost 10 years, there's 20-plus men that show up for breakfast because they just enjoy the company. We started the... Um, Ubar Grotto, and we really, you know, it's it's somewhere above a gang, you know, but slightly, just slightly. depends on what meeting. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. it's fun, yeah. and, and people, we, and even though we cover a big area, you know, you look forward to once a month going and seeing that guy that's from the West Shore that you might not get to see very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so is. It's tough on in Scottish right. I'll bring us back to Scottish right. It's tough because it's such a big animal. But within the valley, is there anything that we're looking to do to try and build some social? Well, co- coincidentally, we are going to do a cigar smoker at, <laughs> at the Valley of Harrisburg. Myself, the Commander-in-Chief, Phil Rickert, uh, First Lieutenant uh, Bud Baker, we're all cigar guys. Uh, a lot of the fellas up there, Paul Mummert, there's a whole bunch of us. Uh, we, we have actually uh, picked up a nice big pop-up canopy about uh, one of the big ones like Eddie Stum ruined on me last year, Larry. You remember those? <laughs> yeah. And, and that tornado Oh, that house. was that was one of the most memorable events I've ever been to. Uh, I we remember it well. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we have one of those now, and, and uh, the Valley Echoes is our newsletter, so to speak, and you will see coming out in the Echoes that we're going to be putting together in our July issue that there will be some cigar smokers coming up. Um, and again, it's just, it's gives somebody who ordinarily, maybe they don't act, maybe they don't sing, they, they can't play an instrument, uh, they don't know what they can do at the Valley, but if they want to just come out and sit with the guys and have a cigar, we're here. Come on out and do that. You know, you don't need any special anything for that. Bring a cigar, show up, bring a lawn chair, and we're going to sit out there and, and have a cigar. Uh, that That's going to start. Uh, we're looking at some other things possibly that we can do, again, that are community fundraisers. Uh, we have a brother, a member of the Valley, who is very big in 4-H and FFA, and he's looking at doing a mini farm show on the property right there in the parking lots. Uh, and again, something for the kids to do, something for families to do. Uh, so maybe when you do tell the wife, hey, let's go out to the consistory to do something, it's not that, oh, my God, I got to go there again. You know, No, it's fun because it's, it's a nice event. I mean, it's such a nice facility. With Like you mentioned, the dining rooms and um, your little mini I, – I, I love the mini lodge room for uh, – Dimolet uses that. Yeah, I guess it was originally for school of instruction. They used school there for a long time, yes. Yeah, so for, if you're out from out of the area, it's just a – miniature lodge room it's what it is yeah. and uh it's, it's very cool and there are a lot of rooms in that building that most of the time set locked up and empty at this point it's uh, 
True. There's a lot of empty space there. There's a lot of different things that they don't use anymore. And again, times have changed, and what we did is different. We don't have as many clubs meeting as we used to. You know, when Amaranth was busy and Stars and everything else was was using facilities, they're just not there. And uh, actually, the, the first week I was there, I just walked around with a set of master keys, opening doors, looking what's in here, what's in there, uh, just to see what, what what the building holds and looking for the lost treasure, so to speak. I didn't. <laughs> find any lost treasure <laughs> lots of old moldy furniture and junk uh but it's in a very interesting unique building it really is you had mentioned um you know building poor and you know as a a lancaster mason and i did get my scottish right degrees up there in harrisburg and i went through the shrine there in harrisburg um i always thought it was i don't know somewhere between strange and arrogant that between the consistory taking up, you know, half a city block and Zembo Shrine taking up the other half of a city block <laughs> and both buildings sitting empty 28 nights a month. Um, now, we know, I know that the, the Shrine's been looking to sell their building. Um, are they in any kind of negotiations to have, you know rent some space off off your off you guys or not at this time at this point with it we haven't been in those kind of negotiations uh and it it kind of goes back to the fact that again when those buildings were built now the shrine was built way before the scottish Rite building but freemasonry was in its heyday there was a lot of people and back then people really came out and supported it so they could build buildings like that um today they don't have the support and and Unfortunately, that building, the Zembo building, is so unique that it does not lend itself to an easy flip to some other kind of building. It's not air-conditioned. It's old. Uh, it has uh, asbestos in it, of course, because of the age when it was built. There's a lot of things that hold it back. They do own all the parking lots around us. We have the back parking lot behind our building. Those big front parking lots mm-hmm. are actually Zembos, which is a good a good thing for them. Uh I'm not sure what they're going to do, quite honestly. They're, you know, they're, they're down under 2,000 Masons or 2,000 members. Uh, that's really, uh, really in, in, you know, tough for those guys. I feel from I'm a member, of course. I pay my dues to them. Uh, I personally tell people all the time, I think it's one of the finest organizations Freemasonry ever did. The 22 Children's Hospitals are fantastic. Uh, you know, I pay my 115 bucks, and occasionally somebody will tell me they're going to drop out. And I say, you know, if, if a crippled kid needed 115 bucks, would you give it to him? to help them walk well of course then pay the 115 bucks keep moving on and they might stay but you know again everybody's different about what they belong to and of course i'm sure none of you guys have more than two deuce cards in your pockets you know <laughs> you know I, I i my wife didn't know how many deuce cards i had or what i paid a year in dues and she happened to find that one day oh, and had no. my list yeah it just ruined me for life because now anytime she wants to buy something if i start to squawk at all she mentions my dues cards and i have to shut up and walk away it's terrible but it's a fact of life you know we do that and we just don't have the time we're a different society so you know we don't see enough people at the scottish Rite building because there are several lodges that still meet there we've got you know two blue lodges plus a prince hall lodge plus a star group meets there Malay meets there uh so actually that building probably sees people in it four and five nights a week it actually much more used than people think it does uh so it, it, it does get a lot of use. And because of the rentals, it's rented all the time. It really is. It's rented quite often. We'll, I'm sure we'll exceed $100,000 of rentals this year. That's good. Yeah. Nice. We need it. We need it. 
let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll wrap up with brother uh, John Cook. Hello, Masonic Light Podcast listeners. This is Jack Harley. Just wanted to let you know, Effort Lodge, number 665, is excited to announce the 2019 Lodge in the Woods to be held on Wednesday afternoon and evening, September 18th, 2019, at the J. Edward Mack Scout Reservation in Newmanstown, Pennsylvania. Gathering will begin at 4.30 p.m. with dinner service starting at 5 and will continue until 6.30, at which time we will all retire to the campfire circle to commence the meeting at 7. Officers from each lodge in the 1st Masonic District will assume the chairs, and Right Worshipful Grandmaster S. Eugene Herrett, along with a host of Grand Lodge officers, will join us for the presentation of numerous awards and honors to several worthy brothers. A steak dinner with all the trimmings will be served. Cost for the dinner is $30. Proceeds after expenses will be donated to the Grandmaster's Initiative. Tickets may be purchased by contacting any Worshipful Master in the 1st Masonic District, online at eventbrite.com, or mail your check to Ephrata Lodge No. 665, Lodge in the Woods, 29 West Main Street, Ephrata, Pennsylvania, 17522. Membership in the Masonic Fraternity is required, and all Masons, Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, or Master Mason, will be welcome. Lodge in the Woods is a rain or shine event. There is some walking on uneven terrain, but there will be transportation on site for those who need it. Brothers, come out and join us at the 2019 Lodge in the Woods. Unlocking Symbols with Symbologist Michelle Snyder. Magical Cats Unlocked. Cats are a constant source of amusement, humor, affection, comfort, fear, and suspicion. The domestic cat is found in the most comfortable location in any house and has a passionate approach to napping. Domestication of cats dates back at least 10,000 years. Royal and sacred cats are evident in the cultures of Egypt from 2500 BC, where they are still credited with considerable powers of clairvoyance. They are said to know when their owners are coming home and when storms and disasters are going to strike. According to physicist Duncan Ensman, cats can smell water and smell different types of land and vegetation and navigate by the stars and the sun. This explains their uncanny ability to travel great distances over unknown terrain and return home. Our golden key needs some mythology to unlock the secrets of magical cats. Felines are attributes of many goddesses. The Greek goddess Hecate is a goddess of magic and can turn into a cat. Even a cat's nine lives are associated with the gods. Apollo, the god of light who is imaged as a lion, is credited with the nine-month lunar year. Freya, the Norse goddess whose chariot is pulled by cats, is connected to the number nine, and she is a goddess of witchcraft and magic. The demonic side of the feline developed later. To see how the goddess's companion became a witch's familiar, we must ask, what do cats, snakes, and owls have in common? 
they all eat rodents. All three animals protected the grain at farms in northern Europe throughout history. In one legend, the corn cat cares for the corn crops. When the corn is harvested, the cat retires to a special sheaf set aside for it until the next growing season. But during the Dark Ages, in an effort to subvert pagan commerce, the church demonized all three animals, and it became illegal even to own one as a pet. Cats, snakes, and owls became tools of evil. This effectively destroyed the independence of the pagans, but it also caused a famine for everyone. When the church demonized cats to a superstitious world, every black cat became a devil, and every old woman who kept cats became a witch. In Japan, cats are linked to genies and vampires, and around the world, cats have become symbols of life and death, day and night, sun and moon, good luck and bad, deity and devil. Magical cat characters are found in the fables, fairy tales, folklore, and poetry of many cultures. The fairy tale Puss in Boots was originally an oral tradition story about how wonderful it was for a little girl to have a cat to take care of her. The elements of the boy and the magical boots are palimpsest from later cultures. For more on the magical cat, visit my blog at whitenightstudio.com and you can read Symbology Fairy Tales Uncovered. Next time, we will unlock the secrets of the fairies. If you'd like to take a deeper look, be sure to check out Michelle's book, Symbology Revision. A link for purchase can be found on the Freya Foundation website. That's freafoundation.net. While you're there, take a look at some of Michelle's other works and find out more about the Freya Foundation and its mission to research and publish the Ensman Archives. Hey, this is Brother James Diener with Effort Lodge 665 in Effort PA. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. So, you listeners in the central Pennsylvania area, Michelle will be joining us next year for our celebration of uh, how many years Lamberton Lodge has been in business. 150? Yeah, 150. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's coming down for that, so she will make a visit. Well, as a past master of that lodge, I'm still waiting for my invite, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I know the deputy. I'll put a word in for you. <laughs> so, John, um, thank you so much for coming out today. Um, uh, good luck with your, your new job. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you're really looking forward to or you're, you're, you're kind of uh, – Anything you need some help with that we can put a, a shout out to all, anybody in the listening area? Well, again, just so people know we're there, we exist. Uh, we have the ability to rent that space, as I said. The, the Learning Center needs all the help we can get, so anybody wants to come out and do that stuff, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, other than that, you know, if, if you're a member of uh, any any valley, visit us at Harrisburg. You're always welcome there. Uh, I've, I've heard some tales of maybe we weren't always the nicer, kinder uh, valley, but uh, I, I won't speak for my predecessors, but I'll tell you that I am always welcoming to anybody who wants to come and visit. I'll shake their hand. I always have a smile for them uh, anytime. If they want a cigar, I'll even provide a cigar for them. No problem whatsoever. Uh, if somebody was looking to, uh, to join uh, the Scottish Writers, is there anything that you would uh – 
you know, if you had to be an emissary, you are an emissary of the I Scottish yes. Rite. So if you wanted to give a, a quick plug, uh, what would you say to a, a new Master Mason and say, hey, what is the Scottish Rite? Well, well the, the, probably the best thing I could tell anybody is that if you have not joined Scottish Rite, as with York Rite, I'll throw them both in there, uh, you have not learned nearly enough about Freemasonry. If, if you are limited to your Blue Lodge three degrees, uh, which some people, that's all they ever do. But if you really want to get something out of Freemasonry, if there's something you're looking for, and I would guess everybody comes to Freemasonry for different reasons, uh, I would think they're all in search of something, whether it's who they are, what they're supposed to be, some sort of truths about themselves or the world. If you have not experienced the other Masonic body, Scottish Rite, of course, uh, provides the degrees from the 4th through the 32nd, you should come out and, and learn these uh, these tales and and witness the degrees or the place for Larry and uh, and be a part of it because you you it's it's educational it truly is it's educational and of course the other side of it is again you meet so many different people with 17 different counties involved in this one valley the people from all walks of lives they they you'll encounter them you'll learn a whole lot from them uh, you know this is a short time we spend on this earth you should enjoy it and learn as much as you can while you're here and i think that we provide that in freemasonry and of course in scottish right in general I think the Northern Masonic jurisdiction has done a really good job recently um, under Commander Glatley's leadership of really promoting itself and the valleys, the various valleys, to younger folks. Um, they've yeah. got some great That's very, very true, Tim. They actually have a very big uh, push to, to try and involve the millennials and, and the even younger people than that. They have actually rebranded Freemasonry tremendously. And one of the things they've come up with now, uh, 44 of the Grand Lodges in this state, in this country, are using some of that branding. And actually, any lodge or any website, uh, yourselves included, if you wanted to use some of their branding, they will do that for you custom and free. Uh, their their message is really really strong. It's very excellent. I think that you know that's something you should look at if you haven't been on the Northern Masonic Jurisdictions website anytime le- lately. You should check that out. It is a whole different place. Uh, Brother Glatley has really made some major changes and brought on some excellent, well trained people who are doing some great things. And you can go back in our archives and listen to that interview with Brother Glatley. Mm-hmm. You did. I don't know how many years ago that was. Yeah, it would have been nice to have you there, Larry, but you were in arrears with your uh, Valley of Harrisburg No, I wasn't dues. in arrears. I admitted I didn't. Uh, it was the Valley of Harrisburg, and I, I just, well, anyway. He was in town during one of your reunions, mm-hmm. and uh, we told Larry, he said, well, you know, they, they check IDs. That they, you have to stay scanned. They do. We yeah. scan electronically, so you can't you can't like put your thumb over that last digit. Like, <laughs> can't sneak in, Larry. But you've since rejoined, haven't oh, you? Oh yes, I have rejoined. Absolutely. You're, you're in some other valley somewhere, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, another valley up the road. Yeah, that's yeah, what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> you can always come home, Larry. It's not a problem. Oh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, the um, so so Larry, who can't lift things, um, was asked was put on the. the the stage crew. I volunteered for that. I'm part of the stage crew. So, I don't know what you're going to do in the stage crew. 75-year-old guy that you know, occasionally can fall, but they have me on the stage crew. Somebody has to get coffee. Right? Well, I, I understand from Brother Scott Hill, I'm the mascot. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> that works, too. Yeah, it does. All righty. So what else we have to wrap up here today? Uh, 
just talk about what's coming up, I think, and we're ready to bring the chickens out. So, uh, so John, what we do at the end, we just kind of discuss what's coming up in the next for us next couple weeks. But we'll give you a little more leeway. Um, anything big coming up in the, in the valley, or at least, or in your your Masonic career as the district deputy? Uh, well, the thing coming up next is one of my other hats I wear. Also, is I am the director of IT services for the Grand Lodge, uh, and what that means is there are. RITs or regional IT specialists, seven of them across the state, all seven regions, of course, have one. And then below them are DITs, district IT guys, and local IT guys. And and I chair that committee currently. Uh, so we are we are revamping all of the training. So any of you guys who have ever been secretaries or treasurers and remember going to the less than exciting training sessions that we used to do, they are now gone we will not do those any further uh moving forward into next year with uh, the incoming grandmaster brother thomas gammon uh we are changing this to a smaller more localized training session and you will get a lot more one-on-one hands-on training and we are indeed training treasures which in the past we have not done we are now doing that that's part of our curriculum uh so actually this weekend we're having a, an rit training session at Patton campus uh and of course tim is is one of my trainers and helps with that uh so that that's very exciting across the state that's something that'll be pretty good of course june quarterly is coming up out in, uh, in pittsburgh uh, June 8th, if you're out in Pittsburgh, come on out and check that out. It's always a good time. Uh, you get to hear a lot of the good things and get an idea of, of where the Grand Lodge is going and what they're doing. And don't forget the reunion. Well, yes, I, I mentioned it before. I'll yeah. mention it again, of yeah, course. Uh, May 17th and 18th, the uh, Valley of Harrisburg will be having its reunion, uh, doing a bunch of different degrees. Uh, come on out. We feed you. We take good care of you. You'll have a great time. The air conditioning's on and working. Uh, I'll be there to smile at anybody who needs smiled at. That's my job. <laughs> we still have... Uh sausage on the first night of the reunion until god comes back himself that will never change there are certain things that are sacrosanct and i will never even mention to anybody we should consider something besides sausage or stewed tomatoes that will never ever happen for our european listeners that's bangers and mash exactly yeah. yes that's like one of the landmarks of scottish right in the valley right absolutely it'll never change and we'll just smile and keep going absolutely so when i when i joined i Oh, forget the, my class number, and, but um, when I joined the Scottish Rite up there in Harrisburg, I was probably a hundred pounds heavier, and I was younger and had very big appetite. And uh, there was a another gentleman that was at the from Middletown, a Middletown Mason, who had to be seven foot, just a huge, huge man. And we were sitting at the same table, and and all these uh, older members like. Like oh you're you're gonna oh you look forward to, to look forward to the meal and there's more food than you can eat this and blah 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 well you know we ate our plate of our plate of sausage and whatever and there was an empty seat at our table and there was one place setting there and like all of us at the table kept <laughs> eyeing it up like who's gonna get this le- like be able to go back and get more well obviously the seven footer had the biggest arms and. <laughs> Uh, he took it and he won. So, uh, but uh, the food is very good. So, if you ever want to go to Harrisburg, um, and you guys are also known for really fine degree work. 
I, I believe that's that's probably the best going. Real, really is true. We do not show uh, videos or, or DVDs today. Uh, we actually do them. We do a lot of great work. We have a good cast, big robing section, uh, good makeup people. They, these guys learn their parts. There's no teleprompters. You know, you, you got to know your work. Uh, they, they really are very, very well done. We have people coming in from Ohio, New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut coming in to see our work because they, they can't get it just everywhere. Most valleys don't do the complete gamut that we do. So, yeah, it, it really is very, very good. And I should mention, I'd be remiss if I don't, that our honored guest this time is the Right Worship Grandmaster, Brother Escher Gene Herrett. So if you want an opportunity to visit with him, yeah, I know he's been on your show, and if you haven't met Brother Herrett, uh, he's as personable a guy as you're ever going to find. Uh, you make a great politician. He'll shake your hand and talk to you anytime you want to. So, And we'll, we'll keep Larry away from him because uh, Larry puts him in uncomfortable positions. <laughs> well, I, I was actually with Larry at a Lodger research meeting a couple of years ago in June when uh, Larry was able to get up and the Grandmaster was not thinking maybe clearly at that moment and said, are there any questions from the members? <laughs> and that was Larry's opportunity. So he, uh, it worked though, Larry, because you yeah, got him here, right? absolutely did. You pinned him absolutely down. Absolutely did. Yes, yes. Tim, what do you have going on? Uh, well, uh, coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we've got Grotto, um, where we're going to do barbecue and brewing at Funk's Brewery on the 26th. Uh, also, I'll go ahead and mention a couple of events coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we've talked earlier about the Cigar Lodge meetings that occur up in uh, Hamburg. Uh, because of Memorial Day and Mother's Day and so on, it kind of squeezes the month of May. So we're not actually meeting in the month of May, but we are meeting twice in the month of June. Actually, three times in the month of June. Once on June the 2nd, uh, Sunday, June the 2nd. Uh, there'll also be a gathering of folks uh, in conjunction with the quarterly out in Pittsburgh. Uh, but if you're not attending that, your next opportunity would be June 23rd, uh, which will be a full-blown event out in Hamburg as well. So uh, some opportunities. Larry, are you have anything going on? The only thing I have going on I mentioned earlier is play practice for the 18th degree in the Valley of Reading. Uh, tomorrow night, that's it. Well, as the um, as the the guy that's waiting to get onto the line in the Valley of – in the Rose Croy, thank you for doing one of our – one of our plays. You're plays. quite welcome. <laughs> um, let's see. What do I have? Well, this weekend, I mean, it's already going to happen by the time you guys hear this, but uh, I'm going down to Wildwood, New Jersey for the Supreme uh, Forest Convention for, for Tall Cedars. Um, Larry, <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> and as I, as I, I, I said too much to the uh, Supreme Tall Cedars dismay, I, I said <laughs> from the East, uh, like, the Supreme stuff isn't that great, but, like, our hospitality room is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we uh, York Forest and Lancaster Forest, are, uh, we're shacking up together uh, at the, what is it, the Gondolier Motel, $59 a night. So, you know, it's got to be amazing. Oh, man. So, that'll, that'll be fun. Um and hey, if any of uh, you guys are Grotto members and you, you're free on a Monday, uh, Tim and I were talking at break about, I think, Monday, June 18th. Uh, Zay 17th. 17th. Yeah. Zafar Grotto up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania is having a, a steak dinner. 
But the uh, the key to this is they actually have their own building and a bar. So <laughs> we're going to go there and we're going to stay the night somewhere up in a hotel in Williamsport and uh, see if we can get kicked out of Williamsport. Maybe do a road show. Yeah, maybe record all the way up and all the way home. So. That should be interesting. So uh, <laughs> I guess, Larry, Yeah. do you want to take us out of here? Yeah, it'll be a short version tonight, but yeah, crank up the birds. Birds? <laughs> I guess chickens, chickens are, are birds. birds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for continuing to allow us to have our beautiful studio here in the basement, right underneath the Pennsylvania liquor store. Also, to uh, Josh, our uh, producer, and uh, doing an excellent job, and we found a, a great voice to do commercials and so forth. But anyway, Josh, as usual, excellent work. To our news director, Jack Harley, who is missing tonight. Uh, his whereabouts are unknown. Uh, I think we do know where he is. Uh, our marketing director, Tim Dedman, uh, for coming from the West Shore, and he was that guy we talked about that we see occasionally. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. I don't have anything else prepared because I've been sick for the past couple of days. And I'm really sick of being here, so I want to go home. You want to uh, thank our guests? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks to John Cook, <laughs> Secretary for the Valley of... Re- uh, <laughs> Secretary for the Valley of Harrisburg, a Scottish Rite. And uh, thanks for being here. John and I go way back. We have a story that we didn't bring up tonight about the tornado that hit our cigar summer picnic at Ed Stumps, which is fabulous. But anyway, John had en- ended up getting a new tent. Anyway... Thanks for being here, John. It's always good to see you. Welcome, Larry. Thank you. All right. So, go ahead, Larry. Yep. This is Larry Maris. Thanks for listening. Pete Ruggieri. This is Josh. Tim Dedman. John Cook. Have a great night or day. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.